Let's get started. Grab a handout for yourself on the back and then come on up and let's get ourselves going. Let me just ask the Lord's blessing on our time. I'm going to pray for us. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for, we even want to thank you for crying babies, Lord, in the background because it represents life. It represents uh, just activity in the church. Uh, we want for the church to be full of of noises, of the noises of life, and families represent that. So we thank you. We thank you for this time. We ask that you open our eyes to helpful truths in your word in regards to parenting. Uh, and today, as we discuss a difficult topic, um, would you give us wisdom and grace as we navigate it uh, and seek to be faithful and call good what you call good and understand how you would have us to think through and apply uh, the rod uh, in terms of the discipline and training of our children. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about consequences for disobedience. And there are lots of types of consequences that you could administer for disobedience. Uh, What are some of them that just come to your mind? So what are types of consequences that come to your mind when you think of consequences for disobedience in the home? Spanking, okay. Withholding liberties, okay. Time out, okay. Pardon? No dessert. That is, that is very effective in some homes. All right, what else? Pardon? Riding lines. Okay. 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 How about uh, logical consequences? Uh, you know, natural consequences. Hey, don't play with that toy in that way. You might break that toy. Said toy breaks. Said toy is broken. Said toy will not be replaced. It's a, it's a natural logical consequence. Any others you think of? I'm sorry? Make them purchase said toy. If it's somebody else's toy, that's, that is something you should do. You need to make that right. And I would suggest you don't pay for it, but the kiddo pays for it. What if they don't have any money to pay for it? They can earn some money. Um, capitalism is good. Work and reward. Okay? All right. Yeah. Those are all to be considered. Today I want to talk about one that the Bible talks about more than any other. And that's what the Bible refers to as the rod. And by the rod, I'm talking to what most of us just refer to as spanking. And I want to begin today by just reading several passages. And after I do, I just want to pick your brain on what what jumps out at you. What jumps out to you about these passages. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs twenty three thirteen and fourteen. 
The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29:15. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us with, res- uh, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. So what are some observations that you just make from those texts right off the bat? What things, what things pop out to you? Greater harm comes uh, if you don't discipline. Okay. Greater harm comes if you don't discipline. Okay. I'll just say, it, in my experience with my own kids, and then working at school where I see kids, some kids who basically aren't disciplined at all, that a disciplined kid is a happy and content kid. We are with major anxiety, and I just had a talk with one of my teacher friends, and I said, if a kid has absolutely no boundaries, that is not a safe way to feel. That's a scary thing, and it encourages or exacerbates anxiety. And so if you want a happy kid, they have to be disciplined. Okay. I was going to say that um, my, my thoughts are that... No, Punishment and discipline are not exactly the same thing, and that punishment is actually part of a whole discipline yes. program. So we need yes. to think about not just punishment when we talk about discipline. Correct. That's correct. Other thoughts as you hear these verses? Discipline flows from love. Discipline flows from love. And and discipline, if we're thinking about these verses, these verses are specific, specifically speaking of the rod. Now, Hebrews is more broad. It's not just speaking about the rod. But Hebrews is clearly grabbing a hold of a concept that flows from the rod, which is that the, the Father disciplines us. There's some element of pain that the writer of Hebrews is assuming that is there. Okay, And he says the Father did that for our good. How much more shall, and we respected them for it. How much more will we respect our Heavenly Father who does it for our good? It flows from love, both from earthly fathers and from the Heavenly Father, who actually mediates His authority through the earthly father and mother. Other observations from those texts, Carol? Not disciplining or not using the rod. It's really a disobedience. Okay. Okay. Here's something that I want to point out. Those are all fair observations. Here's something I want to point out. Scripture talks about spanking in a very positive light. You're like, why are we spending a whole time talking about spanking? This feels awkward. It's because Scripture speaks about it in a very positive light. And so we need to hear what Scripture says about it increasingly in our culture where it's viewed as, at a minimum, icky, 
okay? And, and more likely it's trending towards feeling like it's abusive. If not physically, then it hurts them psychologically somehow. That's kind of the feel. And so we as Christians, since we swim in the water of the world every day, we have a tendency to, over time, get more comfortable with the temperature of the water that we're in. And what I'm saying is that Scripture has a totally different temperature on this water, the water of the rod. Scripture says, this is a blessing. This is a gift. This is good. And so we just need to take a, we need to take a session to think about what this is and hear from God's Word on this, because if it's good then we want to receive it for what it is and understand it and receive the benefits and the blessings from it. So that's why we're taking a whole session to talk about the rod. It's not because there aren't other consequences that you can administer. It's because this is one of the... I would actually say this is this is the most central consequence that God has given you in, in your tool belt as a parent. You can use all the other consequences in the world, but if you don't use this, I would say that you're not taking the benefit of the main tool that God has given you. So that's why we're just going to take some time to talk about it. So you can follow along in your in your outline there. Why the rod? Why the rod? Because the nature of our children shows their need for the rod and the wisdom that it imparts. To understand God's plan in corrective discipline, we need to hear what God says about the nature of our kiddos. If our kiddos are born ethically and morally neutral, then they don't need correction, they just need instruction, right? They don't need discipline, they just need information. But is their most basic problem a lack of information, right? Most of you know that the answer to that is no. Their problems are not gone once they receive the right information. Because children are not born morally and ethically neutral. They are ridiculously cute. I appreciate how Brad continues to point that out. They are. They're so cute. But they are, they are, they are cute little wicked people. <laughs> they are. The Bible teaches that the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Um, this is how we come into the world. So your child's problem is not primarily information or formation deficit. His problem is that he is a sinner. And the rod, as it is called in Scripture, functions in this context. It is addressed to meet the needs within the heart of the child and these needs cannot be met by mere talk. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Notice how Scripture connects the rod with issues of the heart. Isn't that interesting? Now, when we speak about folly, you need to know we're not talking about mere childishness. So, children spill milk. Children step in puddles because they aren't aware of their surroundings or because they're boys and they think it's awesome to splash everywhere. They say things that are socially inappropriate, awkward, and embarrassing that you wish that they did not say. Uh, of course, we train those things, and in some cases, they may actually become issues of obedience when they're older, but we don't discipline for childishness or for immaturity, right? 
Uh, Proverbs relates folly or foolishness not to childishness or immaturity, but to the person who has no fear of God. Okay, that's what it means when the Bible says that there's folly in the heart of a child, foolishness in the heart of a child. It, it is the person who has no fear of God, the person who will not hear reproof, the person who will not submit to authority, the person who mocks God and lacks wisdom. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool lives out of the, out of the immediacy of his lusts, his cravings, his expectations, his hopes, and his fears. Foolishness, in its biblical form, is a matter of authority. Will the child live under the authority of God, and therefore the authority of his parents, or under his own authority, driven by his own desires and passions? Okay? So children, in their natural state, have hearts of folly. They just do. Uh, They resist authority. They resist correction. And if we allow this attitude to take root and grow unchallenged throughout childhood, brothers and sisters, we do not serve our children well. And apart from an unusual work of God's grace, they will have a greater struggle into their teenage years when they relate to authorities, let's say coaches or teachers or administrators. They will have increasing difficulty as they move on into adulthood, let's say college professors, let's say employers, okay? They're just going to have increasing trouble in a world that God has established, a world wherein authority structures exist and consequences exist for not submitting to authority. All right. The rod here is presented in Scripture as a key tool for driving out this kind of foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of of discipline drives it far from him. Biblical discipline is a means by which God drives foolishness from the heart of the child. The young child who's refusing to be under authority is in a place of danger. Of course, this must be set in the broader context of the gospel, okay? Spanking in itself is not the gospel. (laughs) But when it is set in the context of the gospel, it becomes a significant means God often uses to help kids see their sin, see their foolishness, recognize their need for forgiveness, grace for change, etc., Spanking actually really significantly lays the tracks for those things as they grow and develop. Uh, which then makes sense of why the scripture says, Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. You understand that's not an absolute promise, right? You understand that? Why does it say, though, that you'll deliver his soul from Sheol? Why does it say that you'll save his soul from Sheol? Sheol is hell there, not just the place of the dead. Why does it say those things? Because it lays the tracks when they're very young of understanding, oh gosh, sin has drastic consequences, and I am a sinner in specific, and I deserve consequences. And as they grow, they begin to understand, oh, the ultimate consequence is hell. And I do not want to experience that. So it lays the tracks for them to really understand, I'm really a sinner. I really need a Savior. Jesus really took the punishment I deserve. 
and I can believe in him and be forgiven. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful blessing, okay? Um, I, I already covered this, but just, just to cover briefly, Sheol there isn't, isn't referring to the place of the dead generally, but the place of eternal death. It, it can be referring to both when you read it in the Proverbs. It's referring to judgment beyond the grave for the... And our task, I mean, what's the title of this, what's the subtitle of, of this uh, parenting seminar? Uh, parenting with Eternity in View, right? That's, that's the subtitle. Um, our task is to do all that we can to rescue our children from going down the pathway of rebellion and disobedience to God's authority. So, faithful and timely use of the rod is a biblical tool of rescue. Okay? That's what I want you to see it as. Education is not enough. Diversion is not enough. Simply getting older is not enough. Some parents think that their kids will just eventually learn how to obey as they get older. Proverbs says, The rod and reproof gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother shame. So apart from use of the rod... If you just think kids are going to become more obedient in time as they mature, the, the Proverbs say no. That's, that's not going to be the trend. The trend is going to be the opposite. That's why the Proverbs also say, Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your heart. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. Okay. Given the natural sinful state of our children, the rod of correction is needed to bring wisdom to our kiddos by providing an immediate physical demonstration of the foolishness of rebellion, which reaps pain and trouble and eventually death if it is not turned from. By God's grace, the rod is used to humble the heart of a child and to bring him back under parental instruction and the authority of God, which is the place of blessing and security. Hebrews 12:11 puts it this way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. All right, I want to go on to just specifically define the rod and what I'm talking about when I say the rod. What is the rod? This is out of Tripp's book. There's a quote there for you. The rod is apparent in faith toward God and faithfulness towards his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. Now, we're just going to unpack that. Let's just unpack that. There's lots of good stuff there. want us to take time to walk through that one step at a time. It is a parental exercise. Okay, so the Bible does not grant permission to all adults to engage in the use of the rod. In Scripture, it is always found in the context of a parent-child relationship. Now, just side note, there may be certain specific occasions where you grant permission to someone else to discipline your child, i.e. you and honey are going away for a few days and the grandparents are watching your two-year-old. But those are rare. Okay, this is a parental exercise. This is an act of faith. That's important. This is an act of faith. God has commanded the use of the rod. The parent does not obey, or I'm sorry, the parent obeys not because he perfectly understands how it works, 
but because God has commanded it. Its use is an expression of confidence in God's wisdom and the trustworthiness of Scripture. Okay? It is also a responsibility. It is not most fundamentally the parent determining to punish. It is most fundamentally the parent determining to obey God. The parent is God's representative undertaking on God's behalf what God has called parents to do. There are many biblical figures, just think of King Saul, who refused the responsibility of God's command, and he jeopardized his own standing before God and that of the people that he represented. So this is a responsibility that we have as parents in the eyes of God. It is a measured use of physical punishment. A measured use of physical punishment. The rod is the careful, timely, measured and controlled use of physical punishment. It is never a venting of parental anger. It is not what a parent does out of frustration. The parent knows the proper measure of severity for this particular child at this particular time. There should be consistency in the exercise of the rod, and children should know what to expect. It should never be a surprise or come out of nowhere. Okay? And then it is also a rescue mission. It is a rescue mission. The rod underscores the importance of obeying God. Okay? Remember, the issue is never primarily or simply, you have failed to obey me. The reason for a child to obey mom and dad is what? Somebody help me. God tells them to do it. Right. This is the issue. The child in failing to obey you has actually failed to obey who? God. Yes. It is not a kindness for the parent to ignore their children's rebellion against God's authority that will ultimately bring God's greater chastisement upon them in the future. Okay? All right. We're going to talk about some practical stuff here, and and we're going to get into this, and then I have frequently asked questions. After those frequently asked questions, you may have questions, and if we have time for those, we'll field those. If we don't have time for those, we're actually going to have a Q&A next week. There's no instruction. It's all Q&A. And so you can ask questions next week about this or about anything that we've covered thus far if there's not time to ask questions here. So how do we use the rod? Well, let's talk about when, first of all. When do you use the rod? When you've given a directive that your child has heard and understood and is within his capacity to obey and he has not obeyed, then the use of the rod is appropriate. Now, you also need to remember, like we talked about before, bad attitudes are a part of this. And a child um, who is talking back, who is whining, who is complaining, who is glaring, who is rolling his eyes, uh, sometimes I would say, whoa, 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 you're going to fall down if you keep rolling your eyes like that. I don't want you to get dizzy. Uh, all right? Hitting or kicking in response to parental directive, all of that stuff is not obeying, okay? All right. Let me just walk you through how. I'm just going to walk you through one, two, three, four. And then I'm actually going to give you an example of how it walked out in our home or in a generic home, if you will. Um, Okay, how? Now, this varies with age. Okay, this varies with age. You want to take your child to a place where you can speak together in privacy. 
the goal is not humiliation. You do not use the rod in front of others, okay? You do this in a private and quiet place uh, because that, that shows the child respect and it doesn't embarrass or shame the child. You don't, you don't want to do that. Tell him specifically what he has done or failed to do. Never spank for general purposes. If you're just kind of exasperated and you're just like, I don't know what the heck you've specifically done, but you just deserve this at this point. Well, that's not the right time to administer a spanking, okay? It needs to be specific and understandable, not just for general purposes. You need to secure an acknowledgement from the child of what he has done. Explain that you need to spank the child in obedience to God and inform the child how many swats he will receive. Um... Now, by the way, these these things can't be like, okay, well, here's a verse for this one, here's a verse for this one, here's a verse for this one. This is we're we're trafficking in wisdom categories here. But why might you think I would tell you it's very wise to tell the kid up front how many spankings they're going to receive? Why do you think I might do that? Say that to make sure you have self control. That's right. So that you know the kiddo knows what's coming, you know what's coming, right? And you don't. By the way, if you if you are if you're not in control of yourself, don't spank. Just step away. Uh, just be cool. Take a minute to, to take a breather. Don't spank when you're angry. Okay. Um, so inform the child how many swats he will receive. Apply the rod and then lead the child in asking for forgiveness from yourself and from God and later from others that they've offended if necessary. So if there's sin involved others, they need to ask for forgiveness from others. Okay. And then, this is so important, you need to clearly communicate that you forgive the child and that you are all now reconciled to the child and that God promises the same for all who turn from their sins and trust in Jesus to save them. So let me just give you a sample. How might this typical scenario play out in a conversation? Let's just say little Peter is five years old. He was told clearly and he understood that he was not to call his sister a moron. Peter, in front of his mother, angrily calls his sister a moron. Mother, Peter, you were told not to say that to your sister. Go to the bathroom and wait for me. No, it usually doesn't go exactly like that. But, you know, Peter, you were told not to say that to your sister. Go to the bathroom and wait for me. Now you're in the bathroom. Mom, Peter, what did you just call your sister? Peter, uh, moron. That's right. Are you allowed to call her a moron? No. That's right. God says we should treat others with kindness and to say only things that encourage them or build them up. So did you obey or did you disobey? I disobeyed. And what does God say has to happen when you you disobey? Mommy needs to discipline me. That's right. I'm going to give you however many swats. Okay, um, and how, however many swats kind of depends on your knowledge of the of the child. Some require one, some maybe three or four. Um, so for us, it was always just a baseline of two at a minimum. One just didn't seem to do anything. It was almost like a like an introductory uh, thing. Um, so our children always needed two, and if it was a medium infraction, it, it was three. And if it was really bad, it was four. I don't really think I, I ever went beyond four, I don't think. Um, so, yeah. Oh, oh, did I go beyond four? 
Seven? Well, it's good that he remembers it, folks. Seven one time. Seven. One time I gave him seven. It must have been bad, Levi. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus, but okay. Um, then we had donuts afterwards. So that was that was reconciliation. Were the donuts good? <laughs> all right. All right. Well, all right. I am moving beyond that phase, so I forget some of the specifics. Uh, so apparently I gave Levi seven at one point. Um, but two is always the baseline, typically three or four. Okay? Uh, okay. Um, now, what do you, what do you, what do you actually used? So in our home, we used what we called a wisdom worker. I loved that name. Uh, a wisdom worker. It was a, uh, it, it was a, how would you describe it, honey? Help me. It was a, a, a rubberish tool. Okay? It was a rubberish tool. You could use a, a, a spoon if you wanted to. You could use a flip flop flop if you wanted to. I would encourage you not to use your hand. Okay, I do think hands are for loving, embracing, hugging, holding. I don't think hands typically should be used. I think you should use a tool. And I would encourage you to have that tool with you. We would always say that we concealed carried at all times uh, when our kids were young. Uh, and our kids knew that in case we needed to go to a quiet place. Um, so you, we, we used a wisdom worker and we would use it on, on the back of the thigh. Uh, we certainly don't want to bruise the child. We're looking for a flick or a sting of the skin, not force or bearing down. Uh, you don't need to pull diapers off of a two-year-old. Applying the rod on the back of a child's thigh is very effective. That's a very sensitive area. It doesn't take much, okay? Uh, for a young children, um, for young children who... who uh, uh, in other words, m- might not yet be walking, but they can understand what you're telling them to do. Uh, you might you might flick the hand, okay? You might just flick the hand for a young kiddo who's not yet walking, okay? Uh, if the child is crying heavily following the discipline, we would always try to calm them and hush them until they were more uh, quiet, right? And just kind of calm. Uh, and then, and then, typically, we would say, you know, what do you need to say to, to mom or to dad? Um, and the child knew at that point they needed to ask for forgiveness for what they had done wrong, for disobeying. And then we immediately say, I forgive you entirely. And God promises to forgive sinners like you and me. When we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus to forgive us and save us. This is why Jesus died on the cross. So that we could be forgiven of our sins. Or sometimes we might just say it like this. And this, you know, whoever kid. This is a reminder to us of the reason why Jesus had to come. It's because our hearts are dirty. It's because your heart is dirty. And you need Jesus to pay the price for your sin on the cross. And that's why he died. To pay the price for your sin on the cross if you'll trust him. Okay? We would explain the gospel anytime we spanked our kids. Now, let me give a caveat, though. We would only do it once per day. Okay? If, you, if you're spanking multiple times a day, we would not explain the gospel every time. Okay? Because it can get a little tedious and a little... It can just feel like you're 
you're, you're just wearing the kid down with too much talk. And you're wearing yourself down with too much talk. And it can become a, a disincentive to actually consistently spank if you think, I have to go through this, 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 this. Make sure to get the gospel in or I'm not addressing the heart. Um, so I would say on the first spanking of the day, um, make sure to give the gospel. Explain that this is why Jesus came to die. Because we have hearts that are dirty. Okay? And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't explain it after that. Because it can just get a, a little bit tedious. Um, and then we, we just hug. We just hug all around. Okay, give me a hug. We're all set here. We're all set here. We're done. This is over. Forgiven. Let's go have a great time. In Levi's case, let's go have donuts. Um, that's, I don't remember we did that, but that's what we did. Okay. Um, but that's a, it's a good, it's a good thing that he actually remembers that. Um, and here's the deal is, is after a spanking, really, if it's administered rightly, you have peace and harmony again. You don't have, like that's, if you have, it means the process isn't over yet. Okay. So if you have after the spanking, it means the process isn't over. Um, it may be necessary to spank him again. Okay, because it, ha- it hasn't had its good enough effect. Okay, it means that he hasn't really turned from it yet and confessed it and really owned it. Um, do you see what a hopeful process this is? I hope you see what a hopeful process this is. You've addressed the behavior, brothers and sisters. The children are learning that they must not disobey. They feel safe. To Kirsten's point earlier, they feel safe that there are firm boundaries and the home is a place of order. Children may think they want to be in charge, but if they get their wish, they are miserable and actually everybody is miserable. Okay? I know every parent in the room can say yes to that at some point in time. Um, So when children get their way, okay, they make themselves miserable, they make all of us miserable. Um... And, so not only that, not only is this a hopeful process, but you have taken this difficult, vexing event, disobedience, and you have led your child to the cross of Christ. With biblical corrective discipline, we enforce the law as God prescribes the rod, and then we lead them to the Savior. Okay? Now, I want to go through some frequently asked questions, and then if we have time, we'll do questions after that. If we get short on time, we'll ask questions for next week. By the way, in view of that, Larry, could you do me a favor? There are there are scratch pieces of paper back there. Could you take those and just hand them out to people? And if you have a question that you think of that you want to ask for the frequently asked, or for, I'm sorry, for next week's Q&A, please write that down and hand it to me. So Larry's going to hand out some sheets of paper here. Larry, if it doesn't look like there's enough, just cut them up in half, whatever you need to do. When is my child old enough? When is your child old enough? When your child is old enough to consistently resist your directives, he is old enough to be disciplined. I would say pre-spanking can start with a flick on the hand or or a mouth. And that can start early. Let me just give you an example. Just trying to be practical here. Let's say a breastfeeding mother, uh, breastfeeding mother, excuse me, a breastfeeding child starts biting his mother consistently. Okay? A little flick on the mouth is going to take care of that. Okay? 
Let's say a child who just starts getting walking gets near the stove while it's on. You get the child's attention and you say, do not touch. Hot. The child's looking at you. And you know the child wants to. And you say, do not touch. Hot. And you know if your child gets it. If the child reaches out and touches at that point in time, I would just give a flick on the hand. Okay? Or, for example, a six-month-old refusing to lie still for a diaper change. Notice I'm saying a six-month-old, not a one-month-old. But a six-month-old. They understand the process at this point in time. If they're just going like this, you know, it's, it's nothing but them just refusing to submit to the basic process and making you miserable. And who knows what kind of fecal matter or otherwise might go everywhere. So I would suggest a swat on the thigh. And that will just... Pardon? Yeah, well, it was only a one-time deal. It was only a one-time deal. I'm, this is, you never know what you're going to get with me. Um, when is the child too old? Uh, there is not an obvious answer. Clearly, the use of the rod should be falling as the child gets older. The rod is most effective in dealing with young children and should begin to dwindle. And our practice is that it basically disappeared right around double digits. So it kind of just disappeared for us right around 10. Um, 10 or 11. It was certainly becoming very rare uh, at that point. Uh, I'm afraid it'll hurt my child. If you are spanking your children with careful, measured, control use of physical discipline out of concern for their hearts, your child will not be in physical danger. Okay? It will not, your child will not be in physical danger. Another question that you might ask is, won't this make my child rebellious or angry? That's a good question. God's word and experience shows exactly the opposite. Quick and clear discipline and reconciliation. You need both of those, by the way. And discipline was what leads to the reconciliation. How many times have you ever just asked your kiddo, do you feel bad for that? You know, and they're like, yes. You know they don't feel bad for it. Um, And you're like, you don't feel bad for that at all, you little rotten sinner. Um, It is the spanking that really helps them to feel bad about that, okay? Um, But so, so they really do feel bad about it after the spanking, but then there's the reconciliation. You affirm to them that they're forgiven. They ask for forgiveness. You affirm that they're forgiven. So there's the discipline. There's the reconciliation. And when you do that, immediately it leads to peace, security, and joy, not sullenness, depression, or anger. And in fact, I'd go further, and I bet you anybody who works with a lot of kids would would back me up on this. I'd go further, and I would actually say to you, the lack of discipline is what leads to sullenness, depression, and anger. I'm getting amens from ladies who are working in the medical field and the teaching field. Um, So, uh, I'm afraid that it will teach my child to hit. Okay? Uh, The type of spanking that I'm teaching has nothing to do with hitting your child. And your child will not even make the association between the two. The only association he'll make is spanking someone when they disobey. So make sure to tell him not to do that. Uh, Okay? Um, Levi, can I tell a quick funny story that I think, if you've already thrown yourself up, I think you'll like this one. Okay. One time when we were going on our way to church, this was back in Louisville, he had a little stuffed animal, and we just heard him having a little conversation back there with that stuffed animal. And the stuffed animal apparently had not obeyed. And he said, he said, 
you obey? And apparently the answer was no. And so he went, whack, whack. You obey? Apparently the answer was no again. And he spanked the thing again. And he went through a couple of rounds, and eventually that, that stuffed animal decided to obey. Um, so it was done. So that's they're going to associate spanking with spanking. They're going to associate... They're not going to associate spanking with hitting. Okay? Can I use a timeout instead of spanking? I would encourage you, don't substitute a timeout for spanking. Uh, first of all, it is not God-ordained. Okay? Second, it seems to prolong the problem rather than dealing with it clearly, directly, and quickly, resulting in reconciliation. It leaves the child to his or her, his or her own thoughts and prolongs the process. Uh, what if my child says, but I didn't hear you? Well, avoid calling your child a liar uh, if there is any doubt in your mind. And there will be plenty of times in the future where you have no doubt. But you must also train your kiddos to hear you. <laughs> and they can do it. What it, it. Brad sometimes gives killer illustrations. What illustration did he give last week? It was a... It was a it was a, a penguin in the midst of a penguin colony, and they can hear their mother or something. I, who thinks of these things, Brad? Great. So um, they can hear you, okay? They can hear you, and you need to train them to hear you. And Ted Tripp notes that he began spanking for a recurrent hearing problem, and the problem cleared up immediately. Um, all right. Uh, my parents abused spanking, so I'm not comfortable with it. I completely understand that the way your parents carried out this can make it hard for you. I just want to encourage you, don't let their failures be the lens through which you view this gift of God. If God says that this is good, then this is good. And what that means is that your parents twisted it. So, I just want to encourage you to choose to believe the truth and to not to live in bondage of your past feelings or experiences about this. Uh, I'm afraid my child's psyche. In our over-psychologized age, this objection is understandable, but I want to tell you it's just wrong thinking. Again, if God says this is good, then this is good. Good for the child. This is not going to damage your child emotionally. This is going to help your child emotionally, actually. I, th I think of three benefits right off the top. Number one, it teaches them that you mean what you say. Boundaries make a kid feel what? Safe. Yes. Number two, it teaches them that sin leads to painful consequences, which discourages him from sinning, which is better for him emotionally. And then three, it teaches him that you forgive him every time. You forgive him every time. And so you're not walking around... You know, with tension in that relationship. Walking around where you're mad at him. Because he just keeps on doing that. But you know, you're not having to walk around with that tension. And he's not walking around with it either. He knows that mom and dad forgive him for X. That's a blessing emotionally. This is good for a kid's psyche, if we want to use that language. Uh, next one. If I follow your counsel, all I'll do is spank. I understand the fear. Usually that's not true. Faithful biblical discipline brings more obedience, less strife, more joy, less challenges, more peace in the home. There may be a bit of a mountain to climb at first, but the more faithful the discipline, the more responsive the child. Spanking is not working. Common reasons for ineffectiveness. Spanking and anger. Spanking inconsistently. 
failure to persist, failure to make the rod felt. There were several times where we would discover in our home that mom's use of the rod was not being felt as it needed to be felt. So mom had to beef up her use of the rod in terms of a bit more pressure there. Um, Or dad came in and I was the heavy, per se. But if, if, if it doesn't have a sensation of pain, it won't be effective. It needs to be more than a, needs to be more than a little tickle. All right. Um, yes. Give it more time. Yeah. He'll be like, hey, we've had this for four days. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Which is actually my next point, and I appreciate you bringing it up. No, no, it's it's good. We don't spank because of its outcome. We spank because it's the right thing to do. And typically it will lead to an outcome that you're highly encouraged by. What if I'm too mad? Well, then get your spouse involved. Take a break. Um, What if we're not at home? Uh, When a child's older, they're going to remember why they're being disciplined when they reach home, and I want to encourage you to discipline them when you get home. When they're younger, you may have to overlook an infraction or you may have to try to find uh, uh, a cone of silence. Um, But this shouldn't be a big problem since most of your training takes place at home. Uh, Sometimes my wife had to leave a cart full of groceries and just say, I'm sorry, uh, but I have to leave this cart of groceries here Um, because the child was out of control. So she would leave the cart of groceries, go home, administer banking. What happened to that ice cream? I don't know. I hope they found it fast. Um, All right. Uh, And I'm going to stop right there because we're out of time. I want to suggest one book to you if you're intrigued and and you just want more fodder. Ginger Hubbard's book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, is trip theology put to mom practicality everyday life. So Ginger Hubbard's book that's suggested there on the front of your outline, Don't Make Me Count to Three, um, is Trip Theology, Mom Practicality. Really good book, really brief. So I want you to write down questions that you have, uh, get those up to me. And then also I want to encourage you, let this be something that you're talking about with your brothers and sisters here at church and talking through in the context of home group with your home group leaders, please let's let's be free to just talk about these things. So I'm, I'm, I'm hey BJ shared this. This sounds good, but I'm just wondering about talk about it. Hey, this is going on in our home. What would you suggest? Because I, he didn't exactly cover it. I can see it in principle, but how about you know how about this in our home? Talk about it. Talk about it with your home group leaders. Talk about it with brothers and sisters that you trust. Talk about it with me, with Brad, with any of the other elders. Um, let's just talk about these things and help one another along, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for giving us all things that are good for life and godliness. Help us to be faithful parents. Bless our efforts, Father. We are so needy in need of grace. Not only our children, we ourselves. We are in need of your grace, your kindness, your wisdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.